In our last class of tafsir of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the seer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we looked at the beginning of light. From that which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was seeking from the different tribes of the mushrikeen, the polytheists. And that which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was seeking after the trip to Ta'if was Nusra, victory, man'a and protection from the different tribes so that the Prophet could convey the message of his Lord and Islam. So we said that the Prophet he went to the different tribes until eventually the efforts and the dividends paid to the Prophet in the name of who? The Ansar. That the Prophet after 10 years as Jabir ibn Abdullah he mentioned that Mecca Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi Mecca عشر سنين the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stayed in Mecca 10 years يَتَّبِعُ النَّاسِ or يَتَتَبَّعُ النَّاسَ فِي مَنَازِلِهِ that he was following the people in their homes in Suqul Ukaf in Suqul Majanna in Mina after all these 10 years the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was unable to convince the people of Mecca or any other tribe to give him this protection and to give victory to the Prophet After these 10 years, six men, they came from the Ansar, from Medina. And they were the first to give the Pledge of Allegiance to the Prophet And the tribe they came from, from the tribe of Medina, is the tribe of what? Al-Khazraj. Six men came from Khazraj to the Prophet and initially, when these six men came to the Prophet ﷺ, they accepted Islam. This was known as the beginning of acceptance of Islam by the Ansar. But during this time, did they give the Pledge of Allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ? No, they didn't. But they went as six back to Medina, to Yathrib, and they doubled in number. And they came back as how many? Twelve. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gave victory to the Prophet ﷺ through this tribe of Medina. But the Prophet ﷺ initially was seeking victory, help, protection from a tribe. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not only give him a tribe, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him how many tribes now? Two tribes. Because when they came back as 12, 10 was from Khazraj and two from what? Aus. And these two tribes that came to the Prophet ﷺ, they were not allies. What were they initially? Enemies. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not only give him two tribes but gave him two warring tribes that came together under the banner of what? The deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which was a sign of the nubuwa, the prophethood of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because the Khazraj in leaving the Prophet sallallahu and going back to Medina they said look between us and our people is a war a severe war if you could gather us under one banner you're upon the hand so when they came back the Khazraj they came with ten of them and two from what? Aus. And it was during this time that the first bay'ah, the Pledge of Allegiance, was given to the Prophet with 12 men. And this bay'ah, this Pledge of Allegiance, was known as Pledge of Allegiance of what? Pledge of Allegiance of an nisa of the women. Because the first Pledge of Allegiance that was given to the Prophet, who can remember the ayah? What was the Pledge of Allegiance? What was the condition? From Surah to Mumtahina. Mumtahina. What was the Pledge of Allegiance? Ya ayyuhal nabi idha ja'aka al-mu'minat yubayi'naka ala alla yushrikna billahi shay'a The pledge of allegiance was they were not associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number 1 number 2 wala nam zina 
do not fall into zina, fornication, adultery, theft. They will not kill their children, not approach falsehood. Now, and they will not disobey you in that which is good. This pledge of allegiance they gave to the Prophet that is known as Nisa, the pledge of allegiance of the women, is the same pledge of allegiance that the woman will later on give to the Prophet. Now, what was missing in this pledge of allegiance? If we know the mission and the vision of the Prophet, is there anything missing from this pledge of allegiance? which is not in accordance to the vision of the mission of the Prophet Is there anything missing in this Pledge of Allegiance? Barakallahu No protection. Because he used to say to them, Man yu'wini, man yamna'uni. Who's going to give me refuge? Who's going to do what? Protection. And this is Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu will always ask them, how is your number and how are you when it comes to warfare? So missing in this was protection, the first bay'ah. So they gave the Prophet وسلم, this bay'ah, this pledge of allegiance. This is what we looked at last week. And this bay'ah was known as bay'ah, the pledge of allegiance of Al-Aqaba Al-Ula. The first pledge of allegiance of Al-Aqaba. So this is what we looked at last week. And we said this week, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to look at the durus, wal-ibah, lessons and examples we could take from this pledge of allegiance who so apply to our life according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're going to learn lessons from this Pledge of Allegiance. Now, this Pledge of Allegiance, we said in the very beginning of this lesson, the Prophet ﷺ, he stayed for how many years in Mecca, according to the people? Ten years. And then he started after that to go to the Qaba'il, to the different tribes. To the different, different tribes. And success came to the Prophet ﷺ through these six men that came from Khazraj. And how successful was it? It was immediate success that they accepted that which the Prophet ﷺ said immediately. Unlike the people of who? The people of Mecca. This is the first lesson and the first example we should take in da'wah. The speed at which they accepted that which the Prophet ﷺ accepted. They, uh, they accepted that which someone was saying to them. The speed at which they accepted it. This is a lesson. Now we have to ask ourselves, why did they accept it so quickly? Why did they embrace the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so quickly? The first lesson we could get from this is that certain people, certain tribes, certain nations or nationalities, certain races, by the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them naturally, they have in them attributes that makes the truth easier for them to accept. Certain attributes. And what are those attributes? Those attributes are the attributes of lean, softness, wariqqa, and gentleness. So the Ansar, due to the attribute of gentleness and softness, the truth was easier for them to accept. And this is a lesson for us in Da'wah. That gentleness, when you find it in the people, and softness and good manners to accept the truth is easier for them. So when you're giving Da'wah, and you recognize inner people softness and gentleness is an opportune moment or to take opportunity of that to call into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here in Qatar, for example, it's a multicultural society, multinational society. And you will find in Qatar amongst the different nationalities, there are certain nationalities that they are known for their softness. They are known for their gentleness. 
And wherever I've been in the world, whether it was in Saudi, whether it's in Qatar, anywhere I go around the world, this particular nationality is that they all have the same behavior. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. How could I help you, sir? How could I help you, ma'am? And we know what we're speaking about. So it is no wonder. When I was in Jeddah, the brothers used to go to the fish market. And they will come into the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, men and women, afwaja. It is no wonder when you go to Al-Fanar, you find this nationality of people entering Islam, maybe more than any other nationality. It is no wonder that I've been to a few janaiz, a few janaza here in Qatar, and yet the numbers have not been that great, even though the expats are here in great number. But when it came to the janazah of one of them, one of their du'at, rahimahullah azza wa jal, the masjid was packed. I've never seen a janazah like that. So due to a softness of our people and the gentleness of our people, because when you're soft, when you're gentle, it means you lack arrogance and you lack what? Pride. Because arrogance and pride is a preventative matter from the truth. And that's why shaitan, even though he knew Adam his position, he knew that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering him with is the haq. Why did he refuse? Abba. He refused. Why? Wastak bara. And he became proud and haughty. The Ansar, therefore, did not also have a rebellious nature. People that are soft and gentle, they don't have a rebellious nature. And rebellion in Arabic is called juhud. So those who do not accept the message of Islam is one or two things. Either arrogance or what? Being rebellious. So if you look at Fir'aun, and his army, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in describing their level of awareness of that which Musa came with, he gave them the highest level of ma'rifah. And when it comes to awareness or knowledge, what's the highest level of knowledge or awareness? Yaqeen, certainty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَجَحَدُوا بِهَا وَاسْتَيْقَنَتْهَا أَنفُسَهُمْ They fought against the message of Musa. وَاسْتَيْقَنَتْهَا أَنفُسَهُمْ But yet in their hearts they had what? Yaqeen, certainty Musa came with the truth. But they refuse it because of what? Juhud, rebellion. Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab. Why did they refuse the message of Prophet? Juhudan. Out of what? Being rebellious. Abu Jahl used to say, Wallahi, I swear by Allah, I anna Muhammad sadiq. I swear Muhammad is truthful. That's Abu Jahl. To a point that Abu Talib, he made a poetry about the Prophet. And Abu Talib died as a, as a mushrik, as a polytheist. He made a poetry that even Kathir said this poetry he made, it should have been hung inside the Kaaba. Because any good poetry in those days, they will hang it inside the Kaaba. He made this poetry after the Prophet of the Prophet. He said, That they know the whole of the Quraysh. That our son, because they knew him, they named As-Sadiq, the truth of that I mean. They know our son is not alive. And even from his early childhood to now, is not none that's known to be concerned with falsehood. But yet they refuse. They refuse the message of the Prophet. So the Ansar had this attribute. That's why the Prophet said in the hadith, that the people of Yemen have come. So every nationality have an attribute, have a trait. The Prophet said, the people of Yemen have come to you. And the people of Yemen, they're the most gentle when it comes to heart and the softest of hearts. And the people, 
just like many of the Arabs, their route goes back to where? To Yemen. They were originally from Yemen. So that attribute was in them of softness and gentleness. So this is the first thing we noticed that when the Prophet called them to Islam, they accepted it immediately due to a lack of what? Pride, arrogance, and they had a soft and a gentle heart. The second thing, and this should serve as a revision to us, inshallah ta'ala, when the Prophet called them to Al Islam, they accepted this call easily. Why, Ya Mus'ab? Why did they accept this call easily? What was the first statement they said after he called them to Islam? Ya Mus'ab. You missed last week's uh, question, I'm not going to let you off this week. What was the first thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Salman. When the Prophet finished explaining Islam to them, what did they say one to each other? The six. Huh? What's the first thing they said? Yeah, Abamatillah. The first thing they said, now, Barakallah Feek. The first thing they said, they looked one to each other and they said, Ya qawm ta'allamu wallahi innahu lal-nabi. They said, O people, I swear, swear by Allah, this is the Prophet. Alladhi tawa'adakum bihi al-yahud. The one who the Jews have been threatening you with. So, what made them accept Islam faster than Ahlul Makkah was the fact they had knowledge of previous heavenly revealed scriptures. They had knowledge about messengers, even though it was little, about prophethood and messengerhood. They had this knowledge. And why did they have this knowledge? Because their neighbors were the Wu, Ahlul Kitab, the people of the book from the Jews. So this made it easier because the people of Makkah, they had no previous knowledge concerning this. Which is another reason, when you're calling people that have a basis in religion, it's easier than somebody who doesn't have a basis at all. So due to the fact of that they were neighbors with the Jews, they had knowledge of the book, previous knowledge of the book. So it made it easier for them to accept the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the Jews, as we mentioned last week, they threatened the people of Medina with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi that the Jews, they used to say, to Auswal Khazraj in Jahiliyyah, that, Inna Nabiyyana qad adalla zamanuhu naqtulukum bihi qatla'aad wa irmu. That our Prophet, his time has come. There's a Prophet that is going to come. And when this Prophet comes, we're going to destroy you as or kill you like the people of Aad wa irm were killed. And we're the people of Irm. Huh? The people of Aad, al-Imad. The people of the city of Irm, the Jews used to threaten the Mushrikeen. Even though the Jews were fewer in numbers than Aus and Khazarat. But they knew that this Prophet coming is not about numbers anymore. They knew, How many times would a small group defeat a watch? A large group. They knew this Prophet that is coming, it doesn't matter what number, how many you are in numbers. That وَمَا رَمَيْتَ إِذْ رَمَيْتَ That many throws, it's not him that's throwing. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ رَمَى But Allah Ta'ala is the one that's throwing. They knew this. They knew that this Prophet will bring victory. Which is one of the reasons Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala chose Jazeerat Al-Arab, the Arabian Peninsula. As a miracle to show that is the message of Allah. Why? 
When we look at the numbers of the Arabs in their war, how many were they? How many did they consider to be a lot? How many? A thousand. To them, a thousand men is too much. You could never be defeated. So their wars were always small in number, but yet they went to conquer different countries and Islam spread to show that this message is the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa and it's come with the truth. So the Jews used to threaten them with this. So, so far, we looked at the Ansar, how easy it was for them to accept Islam. Number one, due to their nature. Jayid. Number two, due to what? The fact they had knowledge of what? Previous knowledge of the people of the book. Due to the Yahud that used to threaten them. Also, when we look at their soft nature, there are people that naturally are soft in nature. But circumstances and situation can make you even softer or humble you. Soft. And there's some people, they're not soft in nature. But circumstances forces them to be humble. So when we look at the Ansar, or the people of Medina, Auswal Khazraj, Ya Aba Abdullah, what situation were they in? And what were their circumstances when the Prophet called them to Islam? Very good. They were at war with each other for generations and they were tired of this war. So certain circumstances, certain situations could humble you. Because one of the wars, one of the days of the wars was Yom al-Bu'ath, the day of Bu'ath, where they lost their greatest leaders from both tribes and the best of their communities. That these people they lost in this war, they were on the same status as the chieftains of Quraysh, the chieftain people of Ta'if. They lost a lot during this war. So this war actually did what to them? It humbled them. And this is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah ta'ala says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِي قَرْيَةٍ مِنْ نَبِيٍ إِلَّا أَخَذْنَا أَهْلَهَا بِالْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَضَّرَّعُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We never send a prophet to any city except before we send the Prophet, we seize the people bil with poverty and hardship so they may do what? so they become humble SubhanAllah so that thing, that war, it humbled them because they lost so much and this is an example to us in da'wah when you see conflict we as Muslims, when we see conflict our stance, our position should be what? Conflict resolution to bring the people to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should not take sides. Conflict resolution. And in modern times, contemporary times, wherever there's been a conflict, and the Muslims took advantage of it for da'wah, people came to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, afwaja, emotifold. In recent times, there was the war or the massacre or the genocide in Rwanda, where people, two tribes of people, just like the Aus al-Khazraj were killing each other. These were uh, Tutsis and the Hutsis. They were killing each other. And the manner in which they were killing each other was barbaric. It wasn't bullets. They were hacking each other to death with machetes. They were killing each other with machetes. And when this massacre was taking place, from the Muslims, they also belonged to two tribes, both tribes. But due to the jahiliyyah of tribalism, those who season two said they couldn't find refuge anywhere. They were even slaughtering each other, even in the churches. Did you know the only place they could find refuge was in the mosque? Whether they were Muslims or non-Muslims, whoever tried to belong to, 
they found refuge in the mosque because we don't practice that jahiliyyah. And it made a lot of them come into the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whenever you find a conflict between two people, it's an opportunity of da'wah. That the same way the Prophet brought together these two tribes under the banner of Islam, you can always bring people under the banner of Islam and resolve their conflict. So there's no better system, there's no better way when it comes to real conflict and illusion than the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu And that's why you find amongst Muslims, the Muslims, they have many ceasefires. In one day, one month, one year, that ceasefire, most time is what? It's broken and violated. Because not upon the Book of Allah or the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu So the Prophet sallallahu he took advantage of this as well. The fact they've been humbled. And that humbleness, they lost their leaders. And that's another thing you have to take note of. When there's a war, when there's a conflict, people lose their top leaders. The fact they lost their top leaders was a disadvantage for them, but advantage for who? For Islam. Why? Because the leaders are usually the what? The elders. And elders are set in their what? In their ways. If you had to approach the elders, just like the elders of Mecca, the elders of Ta'if, what would they have done? They would have rejected it. Wajadna aba'ana. We find our fathers upon this. We're not going to leave this. But the people the Prophet ﷺ was approaching, most of them were what? Shabab. Youth. Were accepting of anything new which was the truth. Unlike all the people were set in their ways. So also from the lesson of da'wah, try as much as possible. The youth, they're very, very important. So the fact they lost their leaders, it didn't serve as a stumbling block. With the other tribes, their elders were always the what? The stumbling block. So when you look at the elders that lost Yawm al-Bu'a, the day of Bu'a, they lost great people in that war. One of those people was the first people the Prophet ﷺ connected with before the six. And what was his name? Suwayd ibn Samit. He died in that war. Another person that died in that war was who? Iyas ibn Mu'ad. Iyas ibn Mu'ad, when he spoke and said the Prophet ﷺ when he first met him, he's come with the truth. Who prevented him from speaking? One of the elders. One of the elders prevented him from speaking. So the fact the elders were not amongst them, this removed that stumbling block. So bay'ah al-aqaba al-ula, it took place. And these are the lessons we learn from it. Another lesson we learn from it that although the Prophet only had in his hand was what? 12 men given in bay'ah. But he put all his effort, all his energy into making sure that I've got this 12 bay'ah. I'm going to make sure that foundation from which Islam will spring from is a solid foundation. So what did he do? He sent Mus'ab ibn Umayyad to lay the groundwork for da'wah, to lay the groundwork for hijrah. And when Mus'ab ibn Umayyad went there, two things also happened. The Islam of Usayyid ibn Hudayr. And what else? Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad, which is a greater victory. Because through the Islam of this, these two, many people from the people of Medina, Yathrib, they accepted the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many people, just two, two, two people, that they recognize these are the chief of their people, they accept Islam, those under them will accept the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet sallallahu set a strong foundation, and it's important to set a strong foundation from the beginning. That although the Prophet sallallahu he knew that's what he had right now. He didn't look or become concerned at what he doesn't have. Because Yathrib, how are we going to launch and spread Islam to the whole world just from Medina? But one lesson you learn from this is if you concentrate 
upon your circle of influence eventually will affect your circle of concern. Don't always look at what your, your circle of concern. Sometimes you look at things you cannot help, things you can't do anything about, but you forget about what you could do something about. Because the stronger your circle of influence becomes, it starts to affect what? Your circle of concern. So that influence was only Medina. But from Medina, it grew and it became what it has become today. That you will see, as we discuss later on the seerah, that the moment they concentrate on what they could do something about, and when they build the Khanda, the trench, that was a terrifying moment. The moment where the Sahaba, Allah Ta'ala said, it was such a fearful situation, their hearts reached their throat. They were under a blockade. They were under a siege. For the first time in the history of the Arabs, they all came together, the people of the book and the mushrikeen. And they laid a siege upon them. But during that siege, the Prophet ﷺ, in breaking the rocks, for building the trench, you say, we've conquered such and such a place. You're under a siege in Medina. And you're saying you've conquered the Romans, you've conquered the Persians. But from then, all the concept was the rock. Concentrate on the rock. Very we're going to conquer these places. Because it concentrate on the circle of what? Influence. And that's why the Sahaba anhum, when later on they remember these things the Prophet used to say, he used to bring tears to their eyes. One of them was Suraqa. The Prophet was running or fleeing from Mecca, Hijra to Medina. And Suraqa is a clever person. He was like a bounty hunter. They sent him upon the trail of the Prophet. And he found the Prophet. And Prophet said to him, if you leave us alone, you don't tell us where they are, I promise you, I guarantee you, this is a person feeling from Mecca to Medina, and he's guaranteeing some, somebody something, that I guarantee you the bamboos or the gold of who? Kisra, one of the greatest empire, the greatest kings. You're fleeing right now from Mecca to Medina to another tribe, and you guarantee me this? Eventually they did conquer them. And you know who had that bangle? Suraqa. And he cried that SubhanAllah, he promised me this and I got this. So the Prophet always concentrated and said, Lesson for your life, your circle of influence. So these are the lessons we learned. So Mus'ab ibn Umayyad concentrated on what he had. After the 13th year of Hijrah, he returned to Mecca to the Prophet. And when he came back, he gave the Prophet a picture. The image of what's happening in Medina. So Mus'ab ibn Umair, he came to the Prophet sallam, and he said to the Prophet sallam, that verily when it comes to Aus wal Khazraj, that many of them have accepted Islam. But more than anything now, he said, Forget the previous Pledge of Allegiance, they want to do a new Pledge of Allegiance. And that Pledge of Allegiance now is going to be what? Al-Man'a wal Harb. Pledge of Allegiance of Protection and War. He said, That they're ready to defend the Prophet and protect him, the Prophet. Based on the statement of Musa bin Umair, a second meeting was arranged in the 13th year after Prophet of the Prophet during the season of Hajj. So now the Ansar came, the delegates came from the Ansar. Now these are the delegates only, not the amount of people that accepted what? Al-Islam. And the people that came for Hajj in the 13th year after the Prophet of the Prophet was Bid'u wa Sab'oon and Nafsan min al-Muslimin. 
more than 73 people came from where? From Yathrib. Imagine that number. 73, they came from Hajj to the Prophet to meet the Prophet secretly and to give the Prophet the new pledge of allegiance. And this was during Ayyam al-Tashriq, the days of Tashriq. And they met at a place called Aqaba, the same place they met the first time. So such a place, or this is what may take place, the second pledge of allegiance. Jabir ibn Abdullah relates the reason behind this bay'ah. He said, We said to each other, the Ansar, he said, we said to us, until when we're going to leave the Prophet being expelled to the mountains of Mecca and he's being made to fear. Until when are we going to do this? So he said, we left 70 of us, men. We went to the Prophet during the Muslim and we promised the Prophet we're going to meet him in Al-Aqabah. We're going to meet him in Aqaba. And he said, they came to the Prophet and we said to him that we've come to give you bay'ah. The Prophet said to them, So this is the new bay'ah. That are you going to give me a pledge of allegiance upon listening and obeying at times of energy, strength, and times of laziness. Do you also give me your pledge of allegiance that you will spend and you will give in times of difficulty, times of ease? Do you also give me this pledge of allegiance with the condition of enjoying the good and forbidding the evil? And you say the truth for the sake of Allah. You're not fair the blame or the blame and most importantly and that you're going to aid me you're going to protect me and if anybody steps to me to harm me that you protect me the same way you protect yourselves and your wives and your children and if you do this, فَلَكُمْ الْجَنَّةِ If you do this, you have Jannah. At this point, as heavy as this bay'ah was, that he meant war, it was said, قُمْنَا إِلَيْهِ All of the Ansar, they stood to the Prophet ﷺ, وَأَخَذَ بِيَدِهِ He said, they all stood to the Prophet ﷺ, and As'ad ibn Zurara, who's As'ad ibn Zurara, was the first of the original six. He took the hand of the Prophet ﷺ, and he was the youngest of them at that time. And he knew what this bay'ah meant. So he took the hand of the Prophet Because they all wanted to give bay'ah. So he said to him, no, hold on, take it easy. People of Yathrib, people of Medina, you have to know what you're committing to. So he said to them, that you've taken this journey, you know he's the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But you should also know, that today is come out as a messenger. We're giving him a bay'ah, but this bay'ah means mufaraqatul Arab. Bid farewell to all the Arabs. This is the end of relation between you and them. So you should understand that. Mufaraqatul Arab. Bid farewell to the Arabs, your brethren from the Arabs. 
And not only bid farewell to them, they're not going to leave you alone. He said, this bay'ah you're giving right now, what is it going to lead to? He said, Qatlu khiyarikum. It's going to lead to the death of the best of you. And this is what happened. The best of them were killed later on. He said, this bay'ah, I don't think, okay, you're going to obey him or protect him. No. Bid farewell to Arabs, but at the same time, the best of you is going to be killed. And he went on to say to them, and you're going to taste and you're going to bite upon the sword of the Arabs due to this bay'ah. He said, فَإِمَّا أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ تَصْبِرُونَ عَلَى ذَلِكَ How do you be patient upon that? وَأَجُكُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ You're rewarded with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَإِمَّا أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ تَخَافُونَ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ Or you are people that fear for yourself cowardism. Yes? فَبَيِّنُوا ذَلِكَ Let it be known now. And may Allah excuse you. But if you're not ready to go this far, let it be known now. When he finished speaking, As'ad ibn Zurarah what did the Ansar say to him? They said to him, leave us alone. We already knew this before even gave the bay'ah. That we're ready to lose our lives and our family for this. They said, leave us. You don't even need to tell us this. And they gave the bay'ah, the Pledge of Allegiance of the Prophet And they said, لا ندعو هذه البيعه أبدا. We will never leave this bay'ah. ولا نسليها. I will never break this bay'ah to the Prophet أبدا. And at that moment, they all stood and went to the Prophet and gave the bay'ah. After this, the bay'ah to the Prophet this bay'ah, according to Ubadah ibn Samit, was known as the bay'ah, bay'atul hawr, the pledge of allegiance of war. One of the other Sahabi, radiallahu anhu, in the riwayah, Ka'ab ibn Malik, he went into more details concerning this bay'ah. He said, concerning this bay'ah, that kharajna, we went during the time of Hajj with our people. And some of the people that went with were what? Mushrikeen from people of Medina. He said, we went with the Mushrikeen for Hajj. And we prayed. And after praying, we promised the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam we're going to see him in Al-Aqabah during the days of Tashriq. He said, we used to hide and keep it secret, our affairs from the Mushrikeen of Medina that we came with for Hajj. So he said, We slept that night. The night we're going to give the Pledge of Allegiance to the Prophet He said, we slept that night. And after that, after sleeping, he said, when a third of the night had passed, we woke each other up. So the people did not suspect. They didn't know they would get up. So they slept with the Mushrikeen. They came with from Medina. During the middle of the night, they woke each other up. He said, when we woke each other up, we left in secrecy like a covert operation, quietly and went to the Prophet hiding. And then when we met in Shi'ab al-Aqabah, وَنَحْنُ ثَلَاثُ وَسَبْعُونَ رَجُلًا And we were 73 men, or 73 people. He said, وَمَعَنَا إِمْرَأَتَانِ مِنْ نِسَائِنَا We had two women with us. And were these two women is of no surprise. Nusayba bin Tuka'ah. And also Asma bint Amr. And all of us should know Nusayba. Nusayba bint Ka'ab. She was known as Khatibatun Nisa, the spokeswoman, the spokeswoman for the women. Khatiba of an Nisa, Nusayba. Young men, who knows Nusayba here from the young uh, from the children, Nusayba. These are from the heroes of Islam. 
The ayah of the Quran in Surah Al-Ahzab where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Inna al-Muslimin wa al-Muslimat wa al-Mu'mini wa al-Mu'minat That shows equality between men and women in reward They said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent this down because of Nusaybah Because of her status Nusaybah bin Tuka'ab During the battle of Uhud When the Mushikeen, they attacked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam When the archers had left their places And they saw it as an opportune moment to assassinate the Prophet sallallahu What was happening during that time? The Sahaba عنهم, if they threw a spear to the Prophet they're flying away of the spear and they'll die. So there's no better bodyguard, there's no better bullet catches than the Sahaba. But Nusayba and the women, they were not allowed to go for jihad, she was just wanted to treat the injured. Yes, but she carried with her a bow and an arrow. And any time they come towards the Prophet she was the one shooting the bows and the arrow and defending the Prophet When her bows and arrows they ran out, she went into the middle of the battle. The Prophet said about Nusaybah, whether I look to my left, whether I look to my right, all around was Nusaybah defending me with a, with a sword and she took a shield. In fact, the Prophet ordered one of the Sahaba to give her his shield for she's the one fighting. Khatibatun Nisa. She was one of those three women and she was a spokeswoman for the women. And the reason she was a spokeswoman for the women, she always had this braveness to speak on behalf of the women. So once she went to the Prophet and she said, you men, you get to go for Salatul Jama'ah, a congregation of jihad, janat, and so on and so forth. Do we women share a reward with you in that by staying at home and looking after your children? Do we share the reward? The Prophet turned to the Sahaba and said, SubhanAllah, do you know, did you ever think a good question like this could be asked? Look at the question of this woman. So the Prophet said, our jihad, our salat jama'ah, our janazah, our enjoyment of good of the evil, the fact you stay at home, you look after your children, it doesn't, you don't share with us in the reward, what you do is equate to, equates to all of that. It's equal to all of that. So Nusayba bintu Ka'ab wa Asma bintu Amr were the two. So he said, we gathered in Al-Aqaba, nantadir Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we're waiting for the Prophet and whilst they're waiting for the Prophet who turned up? Al-Abbas. Who's Al-Abbas? The uncle of the Prophet Was he a Muslim? He wasn't a Muslim, but he turned up. So Al-Abbas, he turned up with the Prophet Why did he turn up? Because he's his nephew. So they had that loyalty. Even though he was a Muslim, he turned up with his nephew. So he turned up with his nephew, the Prophet and he said to the Ansar, to the people of Medina, that verily Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is under the protection of his people, Banu Hashim. We'll protect him always. But he's decided now to go to Medina. I want you to guarantee you're going to look after my nephew. Even though he's a mushrik. He wanted that promise from them that Abbas radiallahu ta'ala an, he did not come illa liyata'akkad except to make sure the Ansar will look after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that's why I mentioned last week class that strategically where you can go, where I can go is different for different people. That according to your tribe, your nationality, you may be more successful in da'wah in some parts of Africa than going to Saudi Arabia or Yemen because of what? The tribal allegiance, nationality, where you have strength. So the Prophet took advantage of this. After this, the Prophet when he had this guarantee from them, he said to them the same thing that 
I want you to give you the Pledge of Allegiance that you protect me from that which you protect your women and your children. He said, Bara ibn Ma'roor, he took the hand of the Prophet and he said to the Prophet that we're going to protect you by that which will protect everything in our capability of our power. And he said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that Wallahi, by Allah, فَنَّحْنُ وَاللَّهِ أَهْلُ الْحَرْبِ وَأَهْلُ الْحَلْقَ That by Allah, we're people of war and we're people of weaponry. We're going to defend you Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. After giving this pledge of allegiance to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he made this statement, another of the Sahabi Abu Haytham, he asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that, Ya Rasulullah, إِنَّ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ الرِّجَالِ حِبَالًا وَإِنَّ قَاطَعُوهَا يَعْنِي الْيَهُودِ Between us and the people is a connection relationship. And we've broken that relationship. And what did they have a connection with? The Jews. He said, by the mere fact we accepted you, we've broken that relationship. So he said, فَهَلْ What if Allah Ta'ala gives you victory and you go back to your people? Are you going to abandon us? Because now we're broken off from the Yahud and you're going to go back to your people. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa smiled and he said to them Bali dam ad-dam It's one blood now. My blood is your blood. Your blood is my blood. Wal-hadam al-hadam Your destruction, your death is my death and my death is your death. Forget all that you read and you see one for all and all for one. Subhanallah, blood for blood. This death for death. Ana minkum. I am from you. Wa antum and you are minni. You're from me. We're one now. I'll never abandon you. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, "Uhadibu man harabtum." I'll go to war with anyone who goes to war with you, and I'll have peace with anyone who has peace with you. So after this, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said this to them. He told them to select from them Ibn'ashar Naqiban, 12 of them, to be a leader over them. 12 of them. Tis'a, 9 from Khazraj, and 3 from Al Aws. After that, the Prophet ordered them to leave immediately. Because Shaytan had heard about this bay'ah. And Shaytan informed the Quraysh. So when the Prophet informed them to leave Abbas ibn Ubadah, he turned to the Prophet because at this moment now they've given the bay'ah. So he said, Wallahi ladhi ba'athaka bil haq. He said, okay, tell us to leave now. The shaitan is here. The Quraysh have known about it. He said, I swear by the one who sent you with the, with the truth. That if you want, in shaita, la namilanna ala ahli mina ghadan bi asyafina. If you want, out of fear, eternal sleep now, if you want and if you so wish, tomorrow, because everybody's gathered in Mina, he said we'll rain down upon the people of Mina with our souls, if you want this. And look how many they were in number. The Prophet said, We've not been ordered to do this, but go back to your dwellings. And they left the Prophet and they went back to their dwellings. And then the Mushrikeen, they went to the people of Yathrib, the people of Medina. Did you give bay'ah? The Mushrikeen knew nothing about it. They swore by Allah and said, Wallahi, we didn't give a bay'ah. We're never going to bay'ah. There's going to be a hijab going to protect it. But the Muslim knew. And those that knew from amongst them kept it a secret. 
and they flee, they went back to Medina. Next week, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to look at the benefits or the lesson from Bay'ah al-Aqaba al-Thaniya. The lesson we learn from the second Bay'ah. There's a lot of important rules, lots of important events. We're not going into details, inshallah ta'ala, we'll do so next week. And also, the week after that, rather than going to Hijrah, we're going to finish all the ayahs of Mecca for another two weeks. And then we'll go to the Hijrah to Medina. And the Hijrah, subhanAllah, when it comes to Takhtit, strategic planning, it's a lesson. Anyone wants to know about strategic planning, leadership, managing a project, conflict resolution, motivational, because sometimes there's all these motivational speeches, you want to know about motivation, that hijrah, amazing. And it's amazing that the hijrah took place after Isra al-Mi'raj. Which is further, which is more difficult, going to the seven heavens or going to Medina? Seven heavens. But yet, the details were so put in there, for a lesson for who? For us in how to plan. Because Allah Ta'ala said, we're going to take it from Mecca to Medina in the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye. But that hijrah, subhanAllah, lots of lessons in there. Whether it's how we left Abu Bakr whether it's the hijrah women, how they did it, whether it's how they planned, what they did when they Medina, subhanAllah, that amazing, amazing. So inshallah ta'ala, next week we'll look at the lesson from Bay'ah al-Aqab al-Thaniya. We'll go back for another two weeks to the ayahs of Mecca. We'll try and finish them in two, three weeks and we'll go to the hijrah. And once we go to Hijrah, we're going to look at the ayah of Al-Madaniyah, Medina. Any questions, inshallah?